Thank you for tuning into Healing Race. In this video, I share with Todd the ways I've seen Black people portrayed by leaders and in the media, and the messages it sends about Black people. Andre and I also discuss how Black and white behaviors and views can be misinterpreted and misunderstood, and the challenges that can create for racial relationships. So let's get to that conversation. Enjoy. If there are cultural differences, racially, ethnically, in, in expressing oneself in different ways, right? Um, so you can have the same emotion, you can have the same goal, but you might express yourself differently because of what you learned in your cultural community. Sometimes cultural difference can feel unnerving. Um, like it could, it could feel scary, not because the person is scary, but because the environment is different. Yes, I, I, I right. so, so if you're not, I, you know, we can even go beyond race or ethnicity. Like if someone came from a family where yelling at each other, you know, was mm -hmm. common. And then mm -hmm. someone else came, came from a family where you didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're with their in-laws and that's the way you do it. I've had like, that personal experience. <laughs> yeah, that could be jarring. It's like, how do I deal with I this situation? You know, like when, when my family yells, they're angry, right? Yes. But when, you're angry, when your family yells, they're just communicating. communicating. Yeah, for real. So, <laughs> I remember I was like, uh-oh, like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I take your point. I do, because I've had, that yeah. was a very tangible example of that. I've had that experience. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if there are cultural differences, sometimes the meaning given isn't completely contrived by like the news media environment. Sometimes it's based on their actual experience in their culture. Yeah. Um, of, of how these behave, what these behaviors mean. That is very, very valid, but you, one must be very self-aware that your culture or let's what familial culture and even larger race is a lens by which you show up. And you should always, something that I've, I guess, evolved to sort of consider is understanding the rules of engagement vis-a-vis -vis, vis -vis the lens that I'm looking at something, right? And that helps me guide, that helps form, uh, help me form an understanding of what's going on or what I perceive to be going on. Um, I think all of that takes a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. So what you're basically saying is, okay, I understand that people will have instinctive reactions to a different culture based on what they have grown up in. So take this example of the yelling. Um, or speaking loudly, let's say, yes. um, if, if I experience that as, as someone being angry in, in the way that I've grown up, um, but others do it differently, I might have an instinctive reaction and you can recognize and acknowledge that makes sense. Like we're all- And let's run human. with that. And let's run with that. So, and talk about race. So black people are brought up to be very demonstrative people. Like, like when, when you're timid and black, black people pick on you. They, they really do. Like we're, I mean, you see it all over black Twitter. We're very demonstrative people. And that means raise your voice, get animated, even, even about happy things. I have literally been in restaurants just because I was happy to see a friend and people thought I was being loud and obnoxious. And I was like, I'm just being animated. Right. 
Mm. Uh, and that, that's when I started to become conscious of rules of engagement vis-a-vis -vis my lens kind of shit, because it's like, okay, let me calibrate myself to make sure um, I'm, I'm operating successfully in this environment. And I had to learn that because of white people. I literally did. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit against what I know in my culture, because in my culture, you're not, we're not, we don't sit, black people don't sit quietly at a dinner shit. We talk. We don't just sit there and we don't, that is not how you know. If you ever came to my mama's house, you need to be demonstrative. Like, ooh, this is good, girl. Da, 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 da. Like we are demonstrative people mm -hmm. and just sitting there quiet. Because I used to be that quiet kid and I was picked on all the time. Mm -hmm. And I learned, I'm like, Andre, you better speak up. <laughs> and then I learned around white people. I learned, Andre, you too loud. <laughs> so I, I learned, you know, white folks just want to sit there. So what, what, who are you supposed to be, essentially? <laughs> exactly. And the, do you see this? Yes, that's the perfect way to put it. Who am I supposed to be? Now, I'm a middle-aged man now, so I've learned the calorie. I've learned to read the situations quickly. But 20 years ago, when I was young and starting in career and, you know, making cross-cultural friends, starting to really make friends with white people, whatever, I had to learn how to you know, adjust myself or I'll be perceived in a way that I wasn't, that was not my intention. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, there's, there's, so you talked about having the lens of someone else's culture. There's kind of two ways, right? That we're, we've been talking about. You've talked about adjusting to culture. Mm -hmm. but then you also brought up the need to let someone be themselves and and come to understand the lens of their own culture yes so you mm -hmm. don't assume mm -hmm. things about them mm -hmm. and you understand a little bit better that their motivations might be different than what you think they are yes uh, based on the way they're communicating and it, that sounds it's just like such a dance right because like well we just like meet in the middle somewhere or it's it's you know some adjusting of the way that i present to you maybe because i know that you have a certain reaction but then you understanding a little bit if if i present myself if i approach our conversation mm -hmm. in a different way you understanding okay well he doesn't mean this in his culture or the way he grew up mm -hmm. that meant something different even right? at work so even in my professional life i've i've learned to tone down the passion because mm -hmm. the passion could like, whoa, this guy is off the rails. Like, a, like, a, like white people, white people are very, very different like that. Like you, you all don't like I could be talking about I could talk about a work project or something. And if I'm speaking too passionately, mm -hmm. I notice they're not they're they're having a really drawn reaction to what I'm saying is so I'm angry. I'm like, no, I'm just communicating. Like, I mean, once I was in a meeting recently and I said, no one knows what's going on in that business over there. And, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm bringing up a truth whenever we need something done. No one knows what to do. And but I've, I've had to learn to not be so truthful, not be so honest or learn how to I mean, you know, it just phrase out. Phrasing is very important to white people. And since black people largely have been used to help make white people feel comfortable with themselves, it's a dance <laughs> I'm adept at doing now. But I even even in my middle age. I still am mindful of what I could be imparting uh, if I if I'm not if I'm not abiding by the rules of engagement in a particular context. Mm. So, well, so like that example, like how would you know if how would you know? So the the example of no one knows what's going on in that business over there. 
Mm -hmm. What's what's the reaction that you get that makes you feel like you're being taken a, a, a different way than what your intention is? You see the nervousness on people's faces. So none of my teammates displayed nervousness, but as me and as listening as I speak and then uh, being mindful of the emotions I'm conveying while I'm speaking in a meeting, then I chastise myself for being a little bit too truthful in saying that. But I mean, so the nervousness really didn't happen in that instance, but I've seen it before. The ner there, there's a nervousness or you usually it's a white man that wants to step in and be the authority. Now, hold on, come on. Da, 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 da. And then, and I was what? white men love to be authority. My God, they know every goddamn thing in life, I swear. And I'm telling you, if it comes out of the mouth of a white man, it is automatically gospel. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that white men aren't smart, but I have th that's one way that is a surefire sign that when you are stepping outside of the rules of engagement, a white man will say something to kind of rein you in mm. or contradict your thought. Mm. So, so there's a couple things there. One is in terms of people getting nervous when you say something again, like no one knows what's going on in the business over there. How does one know, how would you know that that is a, or, or maybe it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you're just getting the reaction that you do, um, that that is a reaction based on race versus based on discomfort? Not necessarily, not necessarily race, but my point is that, is uh, or the cultural, the cultural differences, and that, and thank you for bringing this up and asking this question, because in one of the things maybe you picked up for me, black people are also brought up to be very direct, mm, like, and, and it starts with our parents. When black parents speak to their children, you fucking know what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah. sorry for my exclusive, but yeah. you know what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that we we bring, let's say, that to the workplace. So I am a direct, at least I try to be a direct person. Um, you know, when you communicate sometimes, especially in a business setting, too directly, mm -hmm. people can take offense to that. And so especially when it's coming from a Black person or another minority. So I've learned that I should err on the side of softening my language to make it more palatable so that the idea or the feedback is can be that much more accepted. Yeah. So you just, yeah, you hit it right on kind of where I was thinking, which is, is this like a general tendency toward conflict avoidance in our, in our culture? Right. Um, because I. Now with black people don't avoid conflict. We, yeah, we so, are raised. So what you're saying is the conflict. way, the reason it affects black people to the degree that it does is because this is, generally you know obviously with exceptions a cultural way of being and if the culture generally is conflict avoidant then it will affect you you, you that has think. been my experience with white people i have noticed white people avoid direct conflict and i was not and me and my black friends and i can tell they were kind of raised similarly we are we are inculcated you lean into conflict because to lean out of it seems timid as though the person can get the best of you. So no, you, and also it's perceived as not standing up for yourself and lacking dignity among black people. So with black people, no, you lean into conflict. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing kind of voices in my head of, of what I would imagine some responses would be to this idea 
you said something specifically about white people care a lot about words, right? Mm -hmm. Or phrasing, <laughs> as I think, I think you said phrasing. Um, and <laughs> I, my guess is that there would be a lot of white people who would say at least in today's world, they feel very uncomfortable about their own phrasing and their own ability to say anything that might be even tangential to the concept to the to the topic of race right for fear of saying something that might trip some wires right um and i have a very direct response to that it was your very direct response my direct response is you don't have to worry as long as your comments come from a place of empathy. But if you come from a place, if you if your comments are coming from a motivation of judgment, well, who wouldn't be, you know? And then you're like, well, why are they reacting that way? Well, look at what you're saying, you know? Like, like I said, to circle back, how may another person view this situation, you know? Um, so yeah, direct, but direct doesn't mean loveless. Mm. We're black people are direct, but it's usually it's coming from a place of love. Mm. Like <laughs> I say, that outfit ain't working for you. Like I'm trying to help you out because you're running around here looking crazy. That's not me just criticizing your style. I'm just saying you may want to rethink what you have on. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just giving you a comma comedic example, but it's an example of being direct, but you're not, you're not trying to you know denigrate a person you're you can be direct and still come from a place of empathy and love and, so I mean, me, and also me, we, we have different communication styles i get that yeah. but i think human beings have the same basic cadre of motivations if you will. yeah yeah i guess where i'm coming from is you know i actually think they're Funny enough, I think there could be there. There's actually a sense of common human ground in this. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give you a, I'll give you kind of a, a more provocative example, because it, it builds off of the commentary in uh, from our last episode. And it is when we talked about the idea of a victim mentality, mm -hmm. right? And how there is often a perception among some quarters in the United States that to speak about racial inequities, the issue of racial inequities and kind of a desire to to mend those inequities that um, that 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 basically comes from some kind of victim mentality, like, woe mm -hmm. is me, I'm a black person, like mm -hmm. I need extra help, so forth and so on. Right. And I could imagine someone who. Who might have an approach to to inequities. Um, communicating, saying almost the exact same things as you just said to me. So here's what I could imagine them saying. Well, I am coming from a place of love. I actually think one of the most loving things to say is to focus on the issue of personal responsibility and the need to focus on oneself and how does one take advantage of the opportunities that do exist, right? Um, the kind of tough love, right? I could imagine someone saying that that comes from a place of love. Um, and that even though- and you know what? Off, oh, let me just finish this one thought. That even if, because I want to connect it, I want to connect it to um, something you said, this idea of coming off as harsh or coming off as angry, right? Uh, or coming off as judgmental, right? Um, that That the surface of how someone might hear your words might be different than the intention that you have. 
And I could imagine them saying that. I can imagine them saying, yes, I know that that's tough. I know it comes off as harsh, but I also think it's it's for the best. I think I'm actually communicating communicating something really important that in the end will be beneficial. So I, I just could imagine someone saying the same thing and worrying about having that kind of approach to life and policy, worry about communicating in the words that they use, even if they might really feel in their heart of hearts that they're coming, that, that they come from a place of empathy. Um, and what I would respond to that, where, the way I respond is I feel Black people would accept that feedback, that analysis, that perspective, as long as it acknowledges the other part of the pie. So personal accountability is a very important part to one's elevation and success and, you know, and just the trajectory of one's life. But you also have to acknowledge that we individually don't always control everything. And what that means is there is still some systemic institutionalism, institutionalized racism that does prohibit a large number of Americans, uh, Black Americans, from taking part of that. So, so no one is saying, no, because I think, I think no one is saying that you should not be personally accountable for your own situation. That is something that is just part of manifest destiny in human and largely in United States culture. However, you have to also speak to the other part of the pie. So if you're going to give, if you're going to supply feedback or have a perspective, not don't just have a perspective on one side and characterize that. Look at the entire thing. And that's all anyone from a social justice motivation is asking. No one is saying, you know, like, you know, like, oh, not to be personally accountable, but look at the entire and then and there is a lot of systemic and institutionalized bias in our country. And not even just about race. I mean, more than anything, it's about class. Look at look at credit scores. Minorities tend to have lower credit scores, for example, than white people. Who do you think create who do you think creates the credit algorithm that that takes all this metadata about oneself and ranks you like that? There's a there's all sorts of bias in all these different things. So talk about the whole thing. Um, people are willing to accept your feedback and even and given harsh feedback that's given in love, but also acknowledge the other part of the pie. Yeah. And so that's kind of where you were coming from when you were saying empathy. Like empathy yes. is not just a feeling. Empathy is an action. It's a set of actions where you where you seek, where you get curious and you seek to understand where someone might be coming from and what is the other half of the pie is, as you say. Um, and then it becomes more palatable to hear your half of the pie, right? Or or what you, the, the, the critiques or <laughs> suggestions that you advise. Or, I, I chuckle because what's the saying? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Right. Oh, <laughs> Give me some sugar, shit. <laughs> so coming back to the what what provoked this conversation and the 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 you know in the episode, the the basic premise is how would you want to be seen as a black person or how would you want the black community to be seen? And it was that that you're a community of love, right? And so the 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 foundation of this conversation is the idea that there are missing perceptions about the Black community because of the way in which the Black community has been portrayed, right? Yes. Um, like, I deeply find it personally offensive when white people don't feel that we are patriotic. Hmm. Just 
So critiquing the country does not mean we lack patriotism. What it means is maybe some of us actually sat down and read the constitution and analysis of the founding fathers. And maybe in our critique, we're trying to help the country further realize its dream, right? And that's deeply offensive, especially since so many minorities, so many people of color go into the US military. Like we all, all of us who are, are African-American have someone in some in our family, you know, somebody who's been who served. Right. And so to, to paint the the oh that's so that is so offensive to say that we are not patriotic just because we want to hold the nation and the dream and the Constitution and the people who, who claim to serve in that name accountable. That's preposterous. Absolutely. It's so offensive. And that had, that deals with the, the concept of love too, because this is about love of country, right? Yes. And, to say so that we don't love say, our you country. You have love for your fellow humans and your fellow citizens, um, but you also have love for the country itself. Is yes. And black people are laying down their lives all over the world in the name of the United States military and serving the Constitution to help to help make sure that white races have their freedom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I swear to God. Do you think? <laughs> do you think that? there is ever a hesitation mm. within some portion of the black community um, to, I guess, acknowledge the great parts of the country um, as they critique. So whereas you would, where, where you have a challenge in people not being willing to listen to the critique, right? Who might only want to focus on how great America is and has been, right? I see where you're going. Do you think Do you think there is hesitation? Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. I'm just, uh, from a factual point of view and from a, an emotional point of view, is there a hesitation to say both sides of the pie? We're talking about the other part of the pie. I'm just saying we're going. Right, it's like, you know. <laughs> I'm hungover, America but I'm needs to improve this. America needs to improve this. Yes, America has been great in X, Y, and Z ways, but we also have to do this. Is there hesitation about that? Yes, America has been great in this in these ways, because maybe it like steals from the message of the critique. Um, I don't know. I, no, I, I say there is there is no hesitation. And um, okay, not to speak in absolutes, there may be some hesitation, but however, black people have still have made great strides since the first day we landed in this place, mm. and and we will acknowledge that. Right. I mean, we've had I mean, just the the I mean, I don't even want to talk about celebrities, just the stunning success of so many, you know, black people who have been educated, who have PhDs, who are educators, who are, have been innovators at all throughout history. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's possible because we live in a country that allows us to be curious and to explore. Uh, so there probably are some who are hesitating to talk about the other part of the pie, as I like to put it, as I put it. Mm -hmm. However, I think largely many Black people will acknowledge the positives that exist in this country. But sometimes the negatives are just so negative, you become disenchanted with the positive. Mm -hmm. You know, like what sometimes and, you know, people are we're not logical, we're emotional. We're like, what, 90 percent water or whatever. So our message, our emotions are always changing, you know, uh, but, you know, we will accept that part of the analysis that says, look at the positive things the United States has done. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we're finished with the project. The project is one of perpetual evolution. 
that we're all accountable for. To me, actually, in some degree, we're all serving the Constitution by voting because midterms are coming up. And I'm always there. The first day of early voting, I'm in line. You know, I mean, that's but that's my way of serving the Constitution. You know, they said, you know what? I mean, that's we all serve it and we all have a responsibility to it. And I think tacit in that document, we all have a duty to respect one another while serving it. Mm-hmm. You know? So you feel you clearly have a lot of feeling around this issue of um, how the black community is sometimes cast with regard to patriotism mm-hmm. um, and that kind of is in line with one of the questions I wanted to ask, which is, can you give me a sense of, you talk about you want the black community to see, to be seen as a community of love. You feel like you're not always portrayed that way. What has been your experience over time in terms of how you have seen black people portrayed? So one is this issue of like, so one is this issue of patriotism. Um, but I don't really have, I, I guess right now I'm trying to get a sense of the experience of what it's like to be Andre as a, as a black man in, in, in the United States. And is this something you just see constantly in the news or, and have throughout your life? Is it something that you just see in certain pockets and like, what are you actually seeing visually and what are you hearing through pop culture, through the news or whatever media streams you take in that that have portrayed the black community in a way that that had an effect on you look at conservative news outlets and it's not an insinuation like conservative news outlets are deliberately saying things are are deliberately casting a picture that that black people are somehow are this sinister cabal trying to take over the country and get all and get free checks and make the country lazy and all these other different things to that we that by our very being is antithetical to the vow to American values that is Lord that they are deliberately casting that picture that picture right Mm -hmm. and also to not discount the quote unquote liberal media they with their over coverage or you know their coverage of you know of all the benefits the government should be giving you makes it seem we're people of just gimme, 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 you know? And I, if you, I hold both sides accountable of finding some sort of medium, right? Cause they both feed into the, into that sort of story of minority as victim and then minority as taker, minority as lazy, all these different things. So I'm, I'm seeing it from both sides and the liberal and the conservative news outlets, they're, they're casting you when you're just a person who wants a fair shot at what this quote unquote American dream is. You know, because I was talking, <laughs> thinking about, you know, Guillermo and people that I know overseas. And I'm like, what is this dream? I'm like, is this America, is it to come own a home and live in a suburb and to have mountains of debt because you bought that home? Or is it coming to get rich? Guillermo, just so to know, is your fiance. He lives in Costa Rica. So just yes. to give people a sense <laughs> of who Guillermo is. So so you're thinking about the two of you and he lives in Costa Rica and, and you live in the United States and you're thinking about where to live and spending time in America. And um, and so you need to think about what America is. What it led America me to start about. thinking about what, what is this dream? Because, yeah. you know, is there a Costa Rican dream in there? To find out there actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> every country has some version of that, right? And I was just thinking, trying to 
tangibly understand what it what does it really mean for for you for us in this country and people who want to come live here um but yeah you know i lost my train of thought but that that what i'm seeing is is that casting that casting as victim that casting as as manipulator that casting is somehow in some way trying to get over on the united states and not work as hard or contribute our fair share and number one that's all a mischaracterization people are variable so you may have some people who are behaving in that way and then you probably have most people who are just trying to lead honest lives and have honest jobs etc right mm -hmm. and the the language is always crafted as though it makes it feel as though that like all the people in this group or have this motivation and that's just not true. So, I mean, if you want a sense of what it's like to be me from a political perspective, that's what it is. I mean, it's basically people think you're disengaged, uninformed. I've even had someone once ask me, I was talking about a frivolous topic and I then it was a white man. What I tell you say, white men always think they know everything. They truly, truly do. And the white dude asked me, Andre, who's the speaker of the house? And I named the Speaker of the House, and he was shocked that I, because remember, I'm Black, I'm supposed to be an idiot, literally. People think the worst things about us. What, what, what even led to him asking you that question? Because he felt that the, my converse, the topic of conversation was frivolous. I don't even remember what I was talking about, but it was something very lighthearted, which is what you do in bars. <laughs> anyway, and I remember that. And I guess it was, it was an attempt to try to shame me. And then <laughs> later, this same person told me how impressed he was with me like oh you know that I mean I when people say things like that I just take it with you know some you know just thank as face value thank you but even that in and of itself is kind of offensive it's like you're impressed because you because I'm more than what you expected I would be that's mm -hmm. offensive and you're in your mind so just to connect it to the conversation about race in your mind that expectation, like where else could it come from other than the color of your skin is the way you, I'm assuming, feel about it. Like, yes, that there aren't that's other signals, there right. aren't other signals that would have led him to a different set of expectations that the 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 best theory of why he has that expectation is, is the signal of the color of your Who skin. Who walks up to a white man and say, I'm so impressed with you. Who walks into a white dude and says that? No, you want to know why? Because white men are expected to be impressive. Mm. They say it again. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> hmm. There we go, baby. Yes. So you talked, you said what I'm seeing, meaning what I'm seeing in right leaning media, what I'm seeing in left leaning media, they create a mm. narrative of, of takers, of lazy, of people who only need to, the handouts of, um, and, and so it was in the present. And I'm just curious, when did you start being aware or taking in or seeing or and responding to the way that the black I can answer your was, question. Repre was represented? Is this something you saw from early? Is this something later? It happened later? during the pre it happened during a certain presidency in the 90s is <laughs> when I started to really because we're talking in the vein of politics was when I really started to understand the way black people were being approached by politicians crafted mm -hmm. by politicians 
and how it has influenced democratic leaning thinking of mine. And I, 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 I recognize that in the 90s, you know, a certain presidency inculcated me to a certain line of thinking. And, but at the same time for, you know, the strides or the benefits that, you know, black people can glean from the, you know, as their right, as their right from the government, as being citizens, it, for us, it's cast in a way that we are somehow depleting the country of its resources and not contributing to the country's fair share of what GDP, GNP, I mean, so this is so this was the welfare conversation or this was the the I mean, if you're talking about economics, that, it's not the crime conversation. I'm assuming it's both. Welfare. It's actually both. I was trying to avoid names, but yeah, it, okay. it, it's both. So the tough both on crime both. and the tough on the, the accountability for welfare and welfare queens and single mothers. How do you know that terms? <laughs> so, somebody, so somebody. that whole conversation <laughs> is the conversation when you first started to take in this this perception yes this, this, how it's not this this uh presentation mm -hmm. of the black community as, yes okay yes right around of the time of being 13 years old thank you for watching this episode of healing race and stay with us for a scene from our next video if you want to see more conversations like the one you just watched Please subscribe to our channel, share this video with friends and family, and like and comment on the video below. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our episodes and have an open, real conversation about race, email us at guests at healingraceshow.com. And if there are topics you think we should cover, we'd love to hear them. So please email your ideas to topics at healingraceshow.com. As always, thanks for your support. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Now, here's a scene from our next healing race. Um, so let's listen quickly. Let's take that up and see if there's any other conversations because you did mention the like, you know, white means right idea. <laughs> no, I didn't mention it. I said it. white dudes always think they know everything. <laughs> For ask white women, they'll tell you. They're like, they do. They always know everything. <laughs> well, why don't we just jump jump into the conversation? Because another yeah. thing that you brought up, another thing you brought up in that clip, um, in in that episode, was the second thing beyond that you have heart as a community, that you have wisdom as a community, yes. and. I guess how do you what does it look like cuz I I don't I don't know what it what it looks like right what does it look like to know that your like how do you know that your views are being discounted because of race and what does that even look like like what's the experience <laughs>